Welcome to the Monday edition, the conference championship edition of Unexpected Points. I am joined once again by Ben Brown. We'll go through all the numbers, all the narratives, what you're hearing, what you need to know going forward into the Super Bowl. So everybody, let's go ahead and get to it. All right, that goes on for a little bit longer than I than I thought. Now that we're playing this, <laughs> now that we're playing this live here. So I hope you enjoyed those lovely tunes again. Ben Brown is with me. We had a historic comeback or collapse, depending upon how you want to define it. And I think that's probably one of the more interesting discussions here when dealing with the first game. So let's get the first games first, which is paying the bills. So before we get into Chiefs and Bengals, before we get into Rams and 49ers, let's talk about getting 25% off PFF promo code unexpected. All of PFF's locked article content, betting dashboards for what's remaining in a very short remainder here for for the Super Bowl. But there's going to be tons, obviously, of prop action, lots of action uh, on the Super Bowl here. And then coming into the new draft guides coming out, Free agency, all that content will be there. 25% off, promo code unexpected. And one more I'll hit here. Well, actually, you know what? Let's get into the first game for here. And then I'll hit and then I'll hit a few ads afterwards. So, Ben, this Chiefs Bengals game, I, like many others, were I was sending out some snarky adjacent tweets in the first half about whether it was time to start discussing bang Bengals offseason free agency and draft needs being that it was all over for them uh on a scale of one to ten how shocked were you by the chief's eventual loss in this game i was fairly shocked i would say that my uh betting bankroll also had had a decent shock to it there uh toward the end i was on some early Bengals seven and a half thankfully but uh in-game stuff i was leaning heavily uh in on kansas city's direction so yeah the the second half eventual collapse whatever you want to call it right now was uh uh yeah it was not the outcome that i definitely uh expected pregame that's for sure yeah, yeah. So let's let's go through some of these numbers. Again, I'm going to do up top what I normally do, discuss the betting line, discuss the actual score, and then discuss my quote-unquote adjusted score where I lean a little bit more heavily on success rate versus outlier efficiency plays in either direction. I make some adjustments for turnover-worthy plays versus actual turnovers. I make some adjustments that's going to downweight third down and fourth down conversion success rates a little bit because those are such huge swing plays there. And when you do that for this game, which Kansas City was favored by seven, as we mentioned, or seven and a half in some places, maybe. Uh, final score, 27-24 Cincinnati. My adjusted score, and I was surprised that it was this wide, was 30-20 to 20, Kansas City. And wow. yeah, the reason this is the case, because Kansas City's efficiency wasn't that great overall. If you're going to look at how they functioned on a EPA per play basis in this game, they actually had negative total EPA per play efficiency, whereas the the Bengals were slightly positive. But the reason is the reliance on success rate, uh, 55% success rate for the Chiefs, 39% for the Bengals. And the Chiefs were like super successful running the ball. Um, they were in the 95th percentile basically for their run 
success rate and efficiency. And it was actually Patrick Mahomes that let them down here. And the defense played pretty well also. So I, I don't think it was that wide of, of a margin, but you know, the Bengals had some big third down conversions, which put them over the top and the chiefs, unlike normal were kind of messing up left and right when it came down to some of these high leverage third down plays. Yeah, definitely. And definitely in the second half, right? I do think we see basically one of the biggest EPA per play swings from a first half to second half in this match. But I think they went from like 0.4 EPA in the first half to like negative 0.5. So almost a full EPA point swing differential. It's 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 honestly like still mind blowing to me a little bit uh, what happened, right? Like it was just was not the same offense in the first half as it was in the second half. Now, of course, you know, on that one touchdown play with, you know, Patrick Holmes basically scrambling all, all over the place. Uh, does get the touchdown on that one, but then he kind of resorted to that mentality in the second half, especially this was his highest, you know, time to throw game of the 2021 season. And it was just, you know, it was, it was kind of ugly. It seemed like he was uh, almost jittery trying to do maybe too much, trying to extend plays uh, too long. And the Bengals seemed really content on, you know, just rushing, you know, three or four pass rushers and, you know, kind of playing this coverage where no one was really breaking deep. And I think, you know, Patrick Mahomes definitely struggled trying to overcome that. It was, you know, definitely a pretty significant downfall, I would say, which was surprising. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, what, what's, what's interesting about the defense is that you would assume with such a stark contrast between first half and second half, that there would have been some sort of major defensive adjustment. Right. But the truth is, you know, they asked Andy Reid about it after the game. And like you mentioned, they just, they didn't bring a lot of pressure and, that was kind of what they were doing in the first half too. It's just, it's just, they were getting picked apart. So there wasn't a huge change here. So overall in this game, like I said, story of two halves, but then even overall in this game, and again, I'm going to focus probably a little bit more on the failure of, of the chiefs and Patrick Mahomes here than what, you know, praising what's going on with, with Joe Burrow and the Bengals only because to me, it's the, it was the more outlier type of weird outcome here. So from, if you look at every playoff game that Patrick Mahomes has had, and we're on 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 different playoff games here. So this is his 11th playoff game. It was the worst graded game that he's had, even after having that first half, the way that it was. It was the second worst efficiency game he has had, uh, well into the negative in EPA per play. And the worst game he had was when he was completely under siege in the Super Bowl last year. Right. No, one, Nothing else is really even close to this as far as how bad it was. And when we're talking about the story of two halves, this is what is just absolutely wild to me is that I looked at every second half in a playoff game since 2012. So over the last 10 years, I got the grade for the in the second half for quarterbacks who had at least 10 plays. So not nothing where they were just doing nothing the entire second half, but at least 10 plays. I got the grades, I got the EPA per play in the second half. This second half by Patrick Mahomes <laughs> was the fourth lowest second half playoff grade over the last 10 years. This is amongst 220 different games right. we're talking about here. Fourth lowest grade sixth lowest EPA per play Patrick Mahomes <laughs> that shows I mean that just shows you how wild this was they had at at halftime right before the flub when they were down there at the end and they didn't get any points right, right before that they were 98 percent win probability and I don't think that was super overly optimistic like some people think about these things I think they actually were probably in that you know 97 98 range at this point at that point right definitely I mean obviously if they get you know even a field goal there it does help in some situations moving from 11 to 14 but yeah getting a touchdown there uh completely changes the complexion of the second half but uh maybe that you know obviously 
you know, we can't really go back and nitpick. I know people want to say, well, you should have just kicked the field goal. I don't, I don't think, you know, I, the play calling, obviously we don't really want to question a ton, but maybe it wasn't the best option, not throwing a pass at least into the, uh, the end zone so that you can actually allow it. I know obviously Tyreek Hill, pretty dynamic playmaker can make guys miss, but you really don't want to put him in that situation at the end of the half with no timeouts left. But uh, in saying that, yeah, like you would still even, even, you know, only up 11, it still felt like the chiefs were in complete control of that game. And I, and I agree with you, like they didn't shift a whole lot, right? Like, uh, I think the week 17 matchup, they did kind of shift the coverage quite a bit from the first half to the second half. Maybe that was one reason why, but that just seemed almost more of, you know, a random penalty type performance. There were a few drops in that particular matchup for the reasons why, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs offense just completely failed them. And this one, it, it, it's, in my opinion, solely on Patrick Mahomes. And I do think that uh, they 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 only bl- they only pressure or only pass rush with three guys seven times in the first half 11 times in the second half so I don't think that's too dramatic of a split but he was absolutely awful in those situations and you would think you know Patrick Mahomes uh, is the type of guy that can potentially destroy some of these zone defenses uh finding some of these guys in seams but like it just seemed like you know maybe his maybe his you know pass catchers weren't ready for it or he was just completely missing some reads I haven't watched the all 22 tape on it but uh, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm I'm flabbergasted more so in the way that they also lost even more so in the fact that they did lose, right? So it just was uh, yeah. you know, kind of a weird takeaway for sure. So Yeah, yeah. I mean, so Patrick, so Mahomes was under pressure, 23% pressure rate. Which is um, low, which is think, low, yeah. Which is, which is low, definitely. Now, what I think was a very important stat on the other side of the ball is that the pressure rate for uh, Burrow in this one was 38.6%. So that's actually higher right. than is normal. Pressure rate. He was under pressure. 16 pressures in this game he faced. Only one sack. So one sack for 16 pressures. We saw him escape a few times, make some big third down plays. His his conversion, he 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 gained about six and a half EPA on third downs, converting a couple more than you would have expected. I think it was three more than you would have expected. Right. So so there's that. So one sack on 16 pressures during the regular season, he averaged one sack for every four pressures. So they were getting to him. They just were not getting him to the ground. Now, some of it were some escapes where you don't necessarily going to think you're going to have it that often. Some of it are, you know, the chiefs, we saw this against Josh Allen too. They don't exactly have athletes. Right. <laughs> I mean, Chris Jones can get pressure, but if you have a quarterback who can move out, he can move out. Frank Clark, he he just can't do anything basically. Right, so right, right. and then you've had Melvin Ingram, who who gets is beginning some pressure, and for the fact that you brought him in mid season for basically nothing, and he ends up providing some one of the more dynamic players on your front is not a great thing for the Kansas City Chiefs. Right, definitely. I mean, yeah, if, without Melvin Ingram in that game yesterday, it would have been a complete disaster, right? So he was the only one really having any sort of success. But, uh, I mean, yeah, even without the pressure situation, you know, like the high pressure rate for Patrick Mahomes, he still took four sacks, right, all in the second half, all with all with, all with with a pass rushing of three or less people. So uh, maybe hats off to, uh, you know, the coverage unit from the Cincinnati Bengals. But uh, it's really hard for me to see them making that significant of a jump that quickly so outside of jesse bates i don't know if they were necessarily playing uh you know really well or exceptionally well basically in the whole season so yeah i'm uh i'm maybe as perplexed as you are uh on this particular one for sure yeah yeah but what was annoying about this game is that <clears throat> the the Bengals were not running the ball well right uh they had a 23 yard run by um joe mixon 
in in their second or third drive. But other than that, it was just a bunch of first down runs that were doing nothing. If you look at their pass rate versus expectation, they were 1.3% over expectation. And again, with when their season turned earlier, they were 17% over expectation in week 16. The first time they played the Chiefs, they were 13% over expectation in week 17 in that Chiefs game. Then since then, they've kind of pulled off of it a bit you know negative five percent doesn't we don't really care what happened in week 18 without joe burrow but then the playoffs 4.7 percent 8.8 percent 1.3 percent i thought that zach taylor was calling this game tight Mm -hmm. and maybe he is you know the prognosticator of prognosticators here and he knew that Patrick Mahomes was going to fall apart in the second half, but really the way that he called this game almost gave them no chance of coming back if Patrick Mahomes doesn't completely uh, shit the bed, you know, yeah, burst into flames uh, in a bad way uh, in the middle of the football field. Yeah, I definitely don't, and that's and that's maybe part of the reason why it's like it does look like more of a Chiefs collapse than any sort of thing that the Bengals win out and actually won, right? And I do think you know Burrow for the for all intents and purposes, did do that. But Zach Taylor really didn't put uh, specifically uh, the offense in a really good spot to actually go and win a game uh, in Kansas City where Patch Mahomes was playing close to his ceiling performance, which, you know, the entire second half wasn't anywhere close to that. So I definitely agree with that particular takeaway. Uh, and saying that, you know, we did see, you know, obviously the, you know, the 49ers rushing attack was shut down against the Rams. So that's obviously going to be a pretty significant matchup. If Zach Taylor continues to uh, maybe rest too much on Joe Mixon's shoulders once again here in that Super Bowl matchup. But we can talk more about that later, of course. But uh, yeah, just uh, from that perspective, maybe that's the reason why you, you you would say, you know, the Chiefs definitely probably let this one slip away more than anything else. Yeah, yeah. And, and some of the numbers here, you know, we're going to hear, I think the narrative is already going to start off uh, in the Super Bowl about, well, the Rams are kind of more talented, at least defensively for sure. But the Bengals have Joe Burrow. I mean, Burrow in this game, 250 yards passing. Um, again, let's get into some of the efficiency statistics here. Right. 6.6 yards per attempt, uh, you know, less than Patrick Mahomes. He was good because of the sacks, because the sacks that brought him up. But there was, let me see, about six over 60% of his yards came via run after the catch. And if you look at some of the big plays that he had here, I mean, Mixon had a 27-yard, 27 yards receiving, all of it after the catch on three catches. Three catches for Samaj P. Ryan. One was 55 yards right, yeah, after the catch, yeah. including that huge touchdown catch. And then some others on here, T. Higgins and others were able to generate yards after the catch. So it was a you know a a good game for Burrow that he didn't he didn't flop in this one. But again, not the high end type of outcome that you would think that you would need to beat this team. Right. Let's talk about a couple different things here. Um that I've gotten onto my radar when it comes to end of game situation because we're, we're we're the nerds. We want to talk about these sorts of things. I've seen a lot of criticism out there. I'm not sure if it's even factually accurate sometimes, but a lot of criticism of the fact that Tony Romo suggested, I don't think he actually said they should do this, but he suggested that when the Chiefs had the ball near the goal line at the end of the game, down by three, that the Bengals should should have thought about letting them score. And what I've heard for criticism about Romo in this, I think people have some of the parameters incorrect, but the, the actual parameters were first down and goal from the five-yard line, a minute 30 left. Okay. 
That was the situation there. I've heard 45 seconds left from the nine-yard line. That, that that didn't happen. I don't know what where people are coming up with this scenario where they're criticizing Romo and saying that that was the circumstance. It was first and goal from the five-yard line with one minute and 30 seconds left to go. I actually thought that maybe that was the way to go there. Now, I'm not sure what the Chiefs were doing on the other side. But did you have any contemplation of potentially doing that since there was there was so much time left at that point? Yeah, I honestly do think that was probably have been obviously looking back on it and you can judge your, you know, results based on, you know, the actual results or the process, but I do think it would have been sound process to allow that to happen uh, first and goal at the five-yard line specifically. And that was when I remember him actually mentioning, you know, the idea of it and kind of like thinking about, you know, is that a spot where I would actually do it? And I I did come to the conclusion that that does make a lot of sense. And, you know, it was basically uh, the flip side to what happened in that Week 17 matchup where, you know, Kansas City Chiefs didn't basically let them kind of go in and score and give their quarterback another opportunity. Granted, it didn't work out whatsoever for Kansas City, but it was that was more just part of an overall reflection of what happened to them in the second half more so than, you know, the Bengals actually making this grand, you know, defensive stand there along the goal line. So I, 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 don't, I don't hate Tony Romo whatsoever for, uh, you know, contemplating that because I do think that that should definitely be uh, an option in your decision-making process. And I do think that would probably be uh, the best way to actually win the game outright from my perspective. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, I think he also might've mentioned it or maybe the first time he mentioned it was at, it was like was 20, after the I, first down play. Yeah, I remember there was something with like, it was like, it was, they were around like the 22 yard line or something. And it was first and 10. Then and it was like, well, how close do they get before you just let them score or something is what yeah. I thought he said. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. There was, a, he was probably, I think it was a little bit of a galaxy brain thing of like sliding down sort of near the end zone and that sort of stuff. Yeah. That, that wasn't necessarily going to happen that much earlier, but I do think that was – it might have been the right move to let them score on first down. Now, once they play defense, they stopped them for a one-yard gain on first down. Um, so then it was second and goal from the four. They call a timeout. Like, obviously, right. you're not going to, like, then let them score. Right, because right. Then why did you Why did you just do it on the last play? But on the next two plays, I think a little bit for Patrick Mahomes on the next couple of plays, I think it got in his head a little bit, this idea of not wanting to leave too much time. Uh, to a detriment because, first of all, they should just run the ball, I think, on second and goal from the four again right. rather than drop back to pass. I thought Mahomes did the right move, which was try to get closer to the line of scrimmage and actually take the sack and take the four-yard loss. If you're going to throw the ball from the nine-yard line versus throwing the ball from stop the five-yard line, yeah, stopping everything. Right. it's not a huge difference. So I think he did the right thing there. But then on the next play, the crazy play where he went back and you talk about his time to throw in the second half and might have thrown off his numbers because he was he was running around for about 20 seconds back there on that one. That one almost seemed like he didn't want to throw the ball too right, quickly right. into the end zone, and it made which makes absolutely no sense because, you know, in that circumstance, he, he wanted to like thread some sort of needle where he could run around <laughs> for 15 seconds and then score the touchdown at the end, which is uh, that makes no sense to me at all. Right, definitely. And I actually agree with you on the second and four was kind of the spot where they uh, seemed to lose the game because they did not need to run a uh, play where, you know, Patrick Mahomes basically has to roll out one, one side of the pocket to alleviate pressure, yes. you know, with the three-man rush, right? Like that's the spot where you should be, uh, you know, throwing the football at least, uh, you know, on some sort of quick screen or some sort of jet motion. I think that's where uh, you'd almost maybe want to use uh, the play that you used previously with, you know, Tyreek Hill at the end of the first half. Uh, but you don't want to, you don't want, you know, Patrick Mahomes dropping back and then making it some sort of, you know, third and long type situation where everything's already compressed uh, near the goal line. And I think that's just, you know, kind of compounded to the next play where he lost 15 more yards and made, and made the kick somewhat interesting. But once he, once he took the sack five yard loss, 
get it to third and nine, it did seem like uh, there were just not too many opportunities for them to actually win that game in that spot. Of course, they could have converted there, uh, but they didn't even come really close to doing that. So I do, I do agree with you. I think nitpicking uh, second and four is, is is not the spot to be in that particular play calling situation. So yeah, yeah, yeah. But again. They had plenty of chances to have done much, much better than that. They got the ball in overtime, very, right? I mean, that yeah, was... and they got the ball in overtime first, but this time, um, I guess you could call it a three and out. I mean, a three and interception, right. uh, interception on on the third play there, which wasn't the most damaging interception since it was like a kind of arm punt type of territory, right. but obviously uh, they could not stop at all. Surprisingly, they could not stop at all the rushing attack from the Bengals to wrap up the game. So now l- looking back here, we're not going to do a full postmortem on the Chiefs, but you know Patrick Mahomes. Let's look. Let's look at the contract here because I think this is going to be the interesting thing. Patrick Mahomes is probably going to have the most restructured contract in NFL history by the right. time that his career is over because his deal. I mean, and this is, this is what this makes is the things year, difficult. Right? This is the year, right? That it just goes. Yeah, crazy. I mean, there, well, there's one even like more ludicrous step right. up later on in the year. But if you look at like his cap numbers by season, so he signed this in 2020. It was 5.3 million. Uh, it was five, 7.4 million. So he only has a 7.4 million cap hit this season. Right. So now it jumps up to 36 million next season, and then the season after that it jumps up to 46 million. million. And then eventually, way down the road, there's numbers like like sixty million. Yeah, when we get into, um, yeah, yes, yeah. so there's some huge, huge numbers there. So, I mean, I think what this team will do, if there's any indication of how they've kind of played out in these contracts here, I think they're already going to restructure this deal over the off season, not take a step up of let me see what is that eight eighteen million. million. Yeah. Uh, 18 million. Oh, you're right. 28 million dollars. Not going to take a step up of 28 million dollars right here because they're still in this win now mode. Of course, you push everything to, into the past, but if you're going to push things into the, I mean, into the future, but pushing things into the future is probably not bad for them. Um, yeah. Are do you have any lack of confidence in their ability to compete next year after seeing something like this? I mean that, and that's, and I think you bring up a really good point, right? I mean, he's going from four percent of the cap hit up to seventeen point one percent, so increase of thirteen percent uh, of the Chiefs' cap hit is going to be directed toward Patch Palms in this particular. That is uh, pretty significant, given you know uh, the situation with the veterans, you know, especially on the defense side of the football. So that's, uh, yeah, I mean, unless you unless you talk to Mahomes and he's like, you know, the reason, obviously, why we got to where we are. Is because of you but we also lost in the conference championship and a lot of reasons because you know he didn't perform up to expectation can we win with an maybe even worse team around you uh against some of these teams coming up in the you know afc specifically and i think that is going to be a pretty serious question so uh i do still want to say you know patch mahomes is uh you're capable of winning at any time with him but uh, in saying that, like he definitely didn't show that this year. So I do think there's a lot more chinks in the armor kind of after losing to Tom Brady and this being, you know, maybe he's not like the runaway, the best quarterback in the NFL. And he's just head and shoulders above everybody else. Cause I don't think anybody uh, is saying that right now. And I don't, don't think that's what's played out on the field. So uh, paying him this much is going to be uh, tough to, I think, stay really competitive al- along with the top teams in the AFC, I would say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, missed on, yeah, coming they, on. I mean, they've missed on other draft picks and those sort of yeah. things, right? Never would, you know, the Bills haven't missed as bad, uh, and the Bengals have basically been spot on with all their draft picks. So that's kind of where 
uh, they're losing right now with the reinforcements around Patrick Mahomes, I would say. So, yeah, yeah, you have Herbert, you know, he's going to be around for a while. You're going to have, uh, you know, Mahomes is there. Now you have Burrow who's playing well and so on and so forth. It's going to be Lamar Jackson still in the conference. So, you know, there are lot, lots of potential places to have difficulty there going forward. But again, just restructure that baby, bring that cap hit down. What would, what would be a reasonable million somehow? Yeah, what would be a reasonable spot for you? Do you think you would, you know, obviously want to target from a team perspective if you were going to, you know, already kind of adjust some things, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know. They have I mean, the offensive line is totally rebuilt. I mean, they right. need probably another receiver. Might be a, a good place to think about it. McCole um, Hardman, he, you know, he's did he did his, his Hardman things, which is one pass. There's a deep pass where he looked like he could have got under it, and then for some reason it just fell yeah. right in front of him. They, supposedly he was demanding the ball on the sideline, which I thought was interesting because there was also a play in the second half which went right through his hands and like looked like it could have been an inter uh, an interception. So probably bolstering that up a little bit there. I mean, the problem is you got Kelsey. You know, Kelsey is like older than uh, Rob Gronkowski, right? right? So he's he's getting up there. That's going to be a concern. And then on the defense with uh with Tyron Matthew and others are getting are getting up there too there's probably going to be like a mini rebuild that's going to happen for the Chiefs but I don't think it's necessarily going to be this offseason I think they may just push push everything back in this offseason with a pretty similar roster and then a year or two down the road for a bit of a rebuild is what I would guess right definitely I mean and I I think yeah the lingering question is Travis Kelsey and how you know how far can you ride with him, right? Because I do think you see a little bit of, you know, maybe not necessarily complete regression, but a spot where he wasn't necessarily at the level that he was even in 2020. And like, how quickly uh, does that cliff fall off? And then you really are just relying on uh, the Tyreek Hill heavy show, which is, you know, worked out in times, but when you get to some of these deeper playoff runs, hasn't necessarily been, you know, the path to complete success with no receptions in the second half of this particular game. So yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, yeah that was yeah, his, his disappearance was confounding for sure. All right, before we get to the NFC Championship game, let's talk Western and Southern. Want a chance to win the ultimate game day feast, whether it's football, success, or financial savvy. Winning starts with asking us questions. Would you like to know what it's like behind the scenes with Al on Sunday Night Football? How about a need to know for your financial future? Western and Southern is teaming up with PFF's very own Chris Collinsworth to share insights that can put you ahead of both your fantasy and financial scoreboards. Today is the last day to submit your question. Every submission earns you a chance to win the ultimate feast to celebrate football's favorite Sunday. We'll cover your catering up to $2,500, coordinate your order from a restaurant near you, and deliver it on February 13th, 2020. Submit your questions at westernsouthern.com slash feast. One more time, that's westernsouthern.com slash feast. If you're watching on YouTube, check the link in the description below. Remember, with Western and Southern, you can rest assured on game day. And if you want to, you know, you want to put a little money down on the games, DraftKings is available for you. This is the moment we've been waiting for. Super Bowl 56 is coming, and that comes with 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in New York, meaning you can bet from almost a third of the country. If the Sportsbook isn't available, though, Daily Fantasy is still available. And you can get a free shot to win a million-dollar prize with your first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use promo code PFF. Get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 to get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code PFF at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. 21 or over, see DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific reasonable Responsible gambling resources, gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER in Tennessee. Call or text the Tennessee red line 
1-888-789-9789. In Connecticut, call 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call one 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. Okay, we got, we got a lot of numbers there. I, I think, oh, I, just realized, I, think I just realized I have a gambling problem. I better call one of these numbers. Really <laughs> yeah, probably, call, you might as well call, call all of them right. just to make sure. Um, but before you do, promo code PFF. Uh, okay, Manscaped. What do we got here? Oh, so I think this is the same. This one. is the uh, ad we need to hear right here. So yeah, I mean, unfortunately, this is this is the, this is well, not unfortunately, but I mean, this is a great ad, so we're going to go through it anyway. The the this is one of the greatest poets of our generation wrote this. Whoever is at Manscaped, roses are red, violets are blue. Don't let a wild pube wreck you. Yes. <laughs> Valentine's Day is just around the corner. Well, it's not, well, I guess it is a couple weeks away. And our sponsors at Manscaped are here for you with the best tools to get your balls ready for the special occasion. This V-Day, it's time to join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped, the leaders in below-the-waist grooming, with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com and use code PFF for 20% off and free shipping. Okay. Uh, Plus, remember, we're, we're part of the movement here. For making February thirteenth a national holiday as Shoot. National Shave Your Balls Day, I have to. I'm I'm getting on board. I'm waking up early. I might have you know a cup of coffee or something. Uh, and before I start yeah. reading and diving into those Super Bowl matchups, I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna take you know care what of business, you know what's good right? about na- Shave Your Your Balls Day. Like if you shave early enough, you might be able to get an extra shave in right. like before going to sleep. So you just, do it. Do it. National Shave yes. Your Balls Twice Day. Why I mean, not? only so. National Shave Your Balls. It's only once a year. Right. So like you want to get a couple of shaves in maybe, i would say yeah, at maybe, least maybe maybe you go post maybe super three. bowl then that makes a lot of sense after the commercials and everything you get you know 10 30 yeah. sort of situation or something a lot, late, a lot of possibilities and just remember place. these products were created for the for the night just like this <laughs> will make your v-day date say wow what a great set of balls you have there thank you um we, we still haven't got a like i still don't know whether or not that is a compliment in a way by like it's almost is is it a insult by omission by the fact that you know only the balls are being complimented we'll see maybe maybe that's like that comes after you know there's more of a, a girth uh a compliment there okay get 20 percent off and free shipping with code pff at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off free shipping manscaped.com use code pff join cupid and shoot your arrow with manscaped this valentine's day all right people we got through it um Let's get to 49ers and death to to the man, to the legend. Your favorite, your favorite. My favorite, my favorite truthing. I'm not a truther of many things, but Jimmy G, I was a Jimmy G truther. He goes down. The 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 townspeople rejoice in yes. his in his failure, as I've seen the Twitter townspeople <laughs> rejoice in his failure. Um he's too good looking. So in this game. He's, he he is. That's part of it. Now he's become like a symbol in the culture war, though, right. with Jeff Garcia versus Mina Kimes. So, um, but anyway, so so San Francisco at in name at least in name at L.A. Although they probably have more fans there. Three and a half point favorite were the L.A. Rams. They win twenty to seventeen, and according to my adjusted scores, they were a more dominant team than the final score, more like twenty one to ten, eleven ish for San Francisco. Reason being. 32% offensive success rate for San Francisco. They running the ball. They had a 10% success rate Jeez. rushing the ball in this game, which is a first percentile. One, this is bad people. 
Below is bad. So first out of 100 percentile. And then their run EPA per play was negative 0.3. Now the Rams, not to be outdone, had a 20% success rate and then a negative run EPA of actually 0.5 because they didn't convert uh, uh, some sneaks and some other stuff there. So two horrible running games, but McVay, you know, turned it over to Stafford a little bit more passing. And this is what I've been starting to think more. I want to get your theory on this is like Jimmy G and or the subpar quarterback let's say the golf if golf was still there so you know Stafford dropped back 45 times in this game I think uh Jimmy G had something like 20 something dropbacks so can there be value in a quarterback in the psychological edge where a play caller has more confidence even if it's not justified necessarily or the lack of confidence is not justified has more confidence to allow them to throw the ball. Cause I think that is a problem with the Shanahan Garoppolo pairing is that they're not leaning on it enough. You know, Garoppolo was averaging 0.2 EPA per play. He's actually had more EPA per play than Stafford and Burrow, believe it or not, very, very slightly more. Um, but they still leaned on the run, leaned on the run, leaned on the run, and were not successful at all doing so. Right. I mean, there's definitely some psychological elements factored into that, right? But uh, I I think that it needs to tell you that basically the Shanahan and Garoppolo marriage is just not going to work, right? Because if it's going to fail you in the biggest of spots, if you're not going to be willing to at least adjust a little bit uh, with something that's completely not working, right? Obviously, their run game, uh, lowest PFF rushing grade of the season happened in this particular matchup here. Lowest pass blocking grade, lowest run blocking grade. Like they were getting absolutely dominated in the trenches. What they needed yep. to do and the only times that they were successful was uh, getting Debo Samuel in space. And whether that's, uh, you know, getting him on bubble screens. We saw one of those obviously be successful, but getting him in space with the ball in his hands as quickly as possible was the only way that they were going to be probably successful offensively if if Jimmy Garoppolo couldn't make that seam route throw to basically, you know, an in-cutting wide receiver or George Kittle over the middle. Those were the only real plays that were going to be, you know, at all successful. So they needed to press those particular spots because that is the one vulnerability uh, that, that the Los Angeles Rams defense had. And, uh, you know, Shanahan had no faith in Garoppolo uh, to consistently throw over the middle. He did end up, end up getting the bad interception at the end on a broken play, but I think he should have been more willing to risk that particular outcome over the middle and give his actual team uh, a chance at winning it. And he just wasn't willing to do so. And I think, you know, played out in his fourth down decision-making it played out in uh, yeah. the play calling and everything else. And it was, you know, another spot where definitely the 49ers, I think let this one slip away. Yeah. Well, we'll get into the game management stuff in, in, in a little bit here, which was putrid on, on both sides, both sides. Yeah. Of, uh, of the ball. But yeah, the, the pressure was bad. Again, like one of the things that doesn't, Come through and whatever. I, I can't. I can't help it. I'm just going to do my my Jimmy Trutherism again. <laughs> Zero sacks in this game, right? He was kind of under siege, right? And it, it, for, especially near the last couple of plays in this game, he gets rid of the ball quickly. And I know that like those getting rid of the ball quickly, hitting those kind of little slants over over the middle doesn't look impressive. Clearly, our grading does not feel it's impressive no. because he had a 48 grade in this game, right. um, despite yes. having a like a 0.23 EPA per play. So he's way, way off in that direction. So I know it doesn't look impressive, but at least it, it gets the job done a little bit there. And just to go over to Stafford and what, what happened there, again, so he was 0.2 EPA per play, 85 grade, much, much, much higher. There was the dropped interception, but again, there was a dropped interception by Jalen Ramsey on the other side that happened earlier. Um, not a flawless game by Stafford, not a hugely impressive offensive performance for the entire team. 
Um, in fact, I looked at some numbers for the last 10 years of Super Bowls, the numbers for teams going into the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl teams, how they performed in the playoffs. And this Rams team and the Bengals team are two of the bottom four teams going into there because they're, but mostly for the Rams, it's just their in, their inability to run the ball has right. really been the problem in this one. Right. Um, okay, let, let, let's talk game management because you brought it up. So the biggest point I think is the fact that the Ram the the Forty ers punted the ball three times inside the Rams forty five. Now some now some of them were a little bit longer, but the fourth and two out on the forty five yard line, ten minutes remaining, three timeouts to your opponent zero. By the way, which is just crazy. We'll talk about that as part of the game management. On the other side is the fact that the Rams did not have any timeouts with ten minutes left in the game. Right. Um, they, there's this weird thing where actually they lost their timeout last time out here because McVeigh challenged the fact whether or not it was a fumble during this challenge discussion, Shanahan brings the offense onto the field. Looks like they might go for it. I was thinking to myself, there's been like an all time, uh, shooting yourself in the face here from McVeigh. If he would have lost the timeout, lost the challenge, and somehow convinced Shanahan to go for it in an obvious go for it situation, right. this was like a five percent win probability advantage. You should have been going for this one, even if it was I don't know six seven yards to go. It still would have been positive to go for it here, and this was only two yards to go. Um, but then they do the classic. Uh, awfulness of just pretending like you're going to snap in and then take the delay game and go ahead and punt it. It's kind of inexcusable at this point. There's no explanation. After the game, Shanahan was asked about it. He said he didn't think about it. He took the question in the manner of like, were you? did you ever think about going for it? He's like, no, we never thought about going for it. And right. what was your thought behind it? Our thought behind it was we didn't think it was the right move. Right. That's it. It's. I mean, that's awful. Like, Obviously, the decision is really bad, but the fact that uh, he has no framework for why he made that decision is like, like completely egregious, right? And everything you want to say about him being a great, you know, schematic offensive mind, and all these other things. Like if he can't get those sorts of things right, that's a huge red flag in my opinion. But I think I think the real problem, honestly, was uh, the second and one decision making after Elijah Mitchell got you know the first and ten run, uh, nine yards basically, second and one running him up the middle uh, and forcing it into a third and two situation. You then do the whole Trent Williams, you know, Kyle Uzcheck motion play, uh, don't gain anything, and then punt the football. Second and one needs to be the spot where you're pressing in that sort of situation. That's where you need to actually let Jimmy Garoppolo cook a little bit, right? That's where you, uh, you know, can get some play action, obviously free up the middle of the field. That's where George Kittle is going to be open 15, 20 yards downfield. And then you're in field goal range. And then you don't have to deal with that sort of situation. Running on second and one right there, I think was uh, probably not, not necessarily worse than punting on fourth and two, but it definitely set it up to be uh, a distinct possibility. Cause I think if you, you know, if you, even if you get an incomplete pass, uh, on second and one, third and one, that's where you can sneak with your grapple. That's where, you know, the use check thing probably works a little bit better. Uh, and you and you still go for it on fourth down if you don't lose any yards in that situation. Because I do think even if they got one yard on the Kyle use check play, uh, they probably still go for it on fourth down. Maybe I could be wrong on that. But uh, I think that's the mentality and overall shift. They, they really lost. They really lost in that particular sequence, in my opinion. So, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I totally agree. I think that. There's there's a big focus on your pass rate, and it's not just like what what your pass rate is versus expectation or your total pass rate is in a vacuum. It's also like situationally, there's very different aspects of when you should be doing it or not. So if you look at the 49ers this year, and I'm just bringing up their pass frequency versus expectation, uh, counting in the playoffs, everything including the playoffs here. So 
they are on second and one or two to go. Their pass rate is 25%, whereas the league average is 36%. So that's one of their most run-heavy formations or situations here. And then second second between three and seven, they're also like 12% or expectation. So again, it's like those are your shot plays. Those are your plays to make to make a big mark because a normal team should be thinking to itself on second and one or second and two that we have this play to make a huge play and then we have two more plays right. to get the first down afterwards right. if we don't get this play. Um, you know, starting up, we're actually in a worse position from an expected point standpoint once getting that first down than we are on, on second, second and one. one. Second right. and one. Right. Second one has a higher expected points you're expected to get from from that situation than a new first down in 10. So press your advantage in those situations. It's always tremendously frustrating to me when I see teams do exactly that, which is in second and one and two, they're like, okay, let's just run the ball, pick up the first down, and then now we'll think about starting over again with trying to push the ball down the field. Exactly. And I do think that's like the one spot that people just don't understand. And I do think it is a really big oversight right now, right? Uh, I think often... I don't know. I don't know. This is probably like a weird tangent or weird thing to even go into. But like, I've often thought like, you know, when would we have thought or know that analytics has maybe gone too far at the NFL level? Because I do think, you know, in sports like baseball and sports like basketball, there are certain things where analytics have made the play a lot worse. And one thing that I've always thought of is when we actually see, you know, guys and teams try and set up second and one, second and two in those sort of short situations where instead of, you know, going and diving for it on first down uh, to extend the drive and get another first and 10 situation, they're diving just a little bit short so that they can set up a second long situation, second and one situation where they can then, you know, try one of those deep passes without much risk, then get the, you know, uh, then get the first down conversion on the next down. So that's a very overlooked spot. And I'm glad you kind of, you know, obviously highlighted that as well. Cause I do think that even a guy, I think specifically a guy like Kyle Shanahan, should know that and understand that in you know kind of run heavy format that that's the spot where they absolutely need to be pressing and they're just you know not doing it as you know definitely the thing where I thought they actually lost the game unfortunately for them for sure yeah so. yeah and even their third third and short play calling was pretty uninspired you mentioned the Trent Williams motion play it's like it was great the first time right. he did it. No one was expecting it. You got in two busts on plays after that. Yeah, if you look in this game, on on this particular game on second and one and two and third and one and two they did not pass the ball once right. in any of those situations that they had in in this game so uh you know not 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 great not great at all there now mcveigh does not get off without no. any punishment i mentioned the challenges so two failed challenges the timeouts no timeouts with 10 minutes remaining in this game didn't end up burning them but very very easily could have uh burned them significantly here multiple times well, they got a delay game at least once, and there were multiple times where there was that move when supposedly the um, the umpire who's looking up at the play will look at the ball being snapped. No, will look at the clock, and then when it hits zero, then look down to see if the ball oh, has snap. been snapped. Yeah. And if it, 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 so somehow they were making it because there were multiple times where I thought it ticked down to zero where they didn't yeah. get called there, and it just seems sloppy. It was sloppy in a way that's very weird. That the Shanahan and McVeigh they have this sloppiness, this lack of thought and intention and practice and honing of things outside of what their core competencies are, which, which is the scheming. And I think it, it falls in a little bit to this like head coach schemer 
things you can lose when you try to bring those two things together. Um, you can lose, you know, a 5% win probability that you lose from not going for it on that fourth and two. That's like losing a very good player exactly. for the game. That's like not right. having Trent Williams. That's right. like not having almost, it's almost like not having Debo Samuel, honestly. Right. Now he had a huge play in this game. So he's probably worth a little bit more than that, but it's a big, big difference. So all they spend, you know, all week long, uh, hundred hour weeks trying to grind out the smallest edges, and then you just piss away a five percent right, edge. Right. It's egregious. I mean, it honestly is. Just, that's probably the one of the most tilting things that we go back and forth on now, right? It's like they're just literally dumping uh, win expectation on the ground for no reason when they're trying to completely grind out these much smaller edges all week in a number of different facets. So uh, it is perplexing that they're missing on that in particular. Uh, and and in this one, like they kind of got everything they needed to win this game. And it seems like they just didn't capitalize when they absolutely needed to. I mean, I think if you said, you know, we see another kind of vintage Matthew Stafford type interception. We did get that early on uh, in the red zone. He had that turnover to Jimmy Ward. And I think that, that was the play that the 49ers needed to win, right? They needed at some point for Stafford to make a poor throw uh, and to have a pretty big swing in EPA per play based on that interception. And they got that early on. And I do think that not being able to capitalize uh, is a big reflection on Shanahan and not being actually willing to uh, maybe unleash Jimmy Garoppolo in the you know most optimal of circumstances. So it's another one where it does seem like, you know, the team that probably should have won ended up just losing it. And the other team emerged victorious because of it, I would say for sure, which is not, not a great mentality, but it does seem like that's, you know, my overall observation from both of these yeah. games for sure. Yeah. I mean, so. you, you know, you don't want to harp on these fourth down decisions, but I just wish you could get a little bit more. I mean, I realize even these models, they're pretty opaque. So right. it's, 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 then it becomes the like, well, the analytics said to do it or the analytics didn't say to do it. And then, so that's frustrating in another direction for people who want an explanation on whether it should have been done or not. But when you're talking to, uh, you know, Shanahan about what was his decision here, then it would have been like, well, what about on fourth and one? Would you have gone for it? Right. You know, like what's the turning point? Was there any other factors are going to it? Like, I want to hear a little bit more about what was being expected other than we have the lead, I guess. And we, and so therefore that's what we're, we're going to do in this circumstance. You know, definitely frustrating. These guys are great coaches overall, right. but um, hopefully, you know, they can lean on that sort of stuff a little bit more, uh, get some help in that area and we'll see we'll see what happens now super bowl i know we're we got a long ways we got a lot of talk about re-super bowl you got any early early action are you already i know you're out there moving lines the sharp money lines, is moving coming in. in i did i did the sharp money bit. is coming in via ben brown so, i think i kind of like the rams a little bit but let me hear see, your, your I got, take i like the Bengals a little bit Ooh. at plus four um i do think what well, was three was it three and a half i guess it was maybe for like a, a millisecond it was three and a half and then and then it went to four yeah but now, i've basically seen it back yeah. four i think it's probably gonna balance between four and three and a half until kickoff for the most part so we'll see some probably line movements in either direction when you know the big money betters really start to come in here but i think i would be surprised if i got if there was a better number on the Bengals than plus four print uh at all into kickoff so that's the number i'm on right now i'm just waiting for these you know uh props to just get released into the market and we're going to start pricing them out and they're going to be on you know the pff player props tool probably i'm sure we're going to have some articles on them as well so oh, yeah uh, i mean this is this is it this is like christmas for sports better so i'm just staring down uh waiting and willing to you know open the presents once they become available so yeah yeah let's do it and again everyone promo code unexpected go and get 25 percent off at pff thank you ben so much for joining me i'm not sure which team i'm gonna do but i'm gonna do a post-mortem on another team later this week either solo or bring in someone a little bit more familiar with that team but until then uh i'll be talking at you guys later this week and then again 
will talk with Ben early in the week to talk more about all the different action for the Super Bowl. Thanks so much, guys. 